Mac Power Users, Episode 96, Web Automation. Welcome back to another episode of the Mac Power Users Podcast. I'm Katie Floyd, alongside with David Sparks. We're ticking them away, David. Yeah, heading towards 100, aren't we? We are. We, you know, we have gotten a lot of great submissions from people talking about their uh, workflows for episode 100. It's going to be a, a tough time to narrow those down. I, I think we've got something special planned in the works for show 100. Don't know that we're quite ready to announce it yet, but if you haven't, there still might be time to get in your Mac Power user workflows. Send us an email with the tagline show 100. There's more information on our website that you can go check that out, but we'll be announcing very soon when we're recording that show, when we're airing that show, and how you can be a part of that show, and who's going to be a part of that show. So I, it's very exciting. We have very smart listeners. Did you know that? I always knew that. I knew. I, I realized that. that our listeners are smarter than me. And I'm not going to speak for you. They're a lot smarter than me. I know they're a lot smarter than me. Yeah, it, one point, though, if you're going to send in a submission, make it say show 100. Right, don't, in the subject line. Don't say number 100. Don't say the big show. They show 100 because we use automation. We do use automation. And automation no. puts those emails in a place where we can review them. But if it doesn't say show 100, I never see it. It just them. gets lost and lost in the ether. Yeah. So make sure you do that. And, and I found a couple where uh, submissions were really good and they didn't do that, but I was able to capture them. But I'm I can't do that anymore. So you got to put show 100. Okay. Good. They've been warned. So speaking of automation. Let's talk about, you know, how we can automate things on the web. We are all about having our fancy schmancy computers do all of this work for us so that, you know, as it comes later and later, all we'll have to do is just sit here and information will be piped directly into our brains. So that's what we're going to teach people how to do in the show, right? Yeah, I've always been into the idea of automation and, you know, taking tedium out of my life, things that don't really require my brain but require clock cycles use a programming term, and finding ways to make those things go away. And that's so much of the stuff I write about and do and we talk about on the shows about that. It seems to me the last couple of years that the web has started to build its own automation framework. And I don't think that was ever there before. Uh, you know, And we've talked about, like in the email show, we've talked about um, email rules is a good example. And Google's so mm-hmm. good at that. You can develop these web-based email rules that manage email for you. But I'm talking about more generic type of automation and specifically that based in the web. I was kind of getting into if this, then that, and we did the show with Merlin and we talked about it some more and that kind of sparked my interest more. And then just looking in this, this question of web automation in general, and it, it seems to me that we've come down to two services that we really like for this stuff, and those are Yahoo Pipes and if this, then that. And I think there's a show in it. I think there's a lot of people who don't realize that stuff's out there, and it'd be a lot of fun to talk about how we use it to simplify things in our lives, and some of our listeners have written in as well, and maybe motivate or, or inspire a few of our listeners to go out and take some of the tedium out of their life as well. And like so many of our shows, I think this is really just going to be a primer. We're going to scratch the surface, tell you a little bit about what these services can do. 
we'll tell you a little bit about what we're doing with these services. Uh, we had some listeners who've written in, who've tweeted in, who've told us how they're using these services. But more so what we want this, this show to do is to make you aware that these types of services are available to light a spark under you to think, oh, yeah, maybe this is, this is a problem that I can solve or this is something that I can accomplish with this type of web automation. And go out and build your own great things and then yeah, tell us about it. Maybe you can tell us about it on show 100 or if nothing else, go over to our website at MacPowerUsers.com and drop a comment on the blog so that you can share your experience with everybody else. I think this is one of those things where you have to have a specific problem in order to go learn how to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, uh, as we go through the show, I'm going to talk about some of the specific problems I've used to solve with this stuff. So I think if you listen to the show and you get an appreciation for what it can do, you are going to find that problem in your life that you want to fix. And you're going to say, hey, wait a second. That show talked about some automation stuff that may make this possible for me to not have to deal with this anymore. So... Um, that's the idea. You, you're not going to just go learn it in the abstract, though. The only way to really put this stuff to use is to have a specific problem you want to solve. At least for me, that's how it always works. Right, but maybe this will spark some ideas of a problem that you have that can be solved. Maybe you didn't even realize that this problem could be solved by web automation. No, absolutely. I, I think that that's the point, is, is when you get through the show, you know that there's something out there that you didn't before, and when you do have the thing that vexes you, you can go fix it. And I think we can get started on that. What do you yeah. think? Let's start talking about it. All right. So so the first question is why use these things? We want to do less repetitive tasks in our life, obviously. That's why we use any type of automation, whether it's a text expander snippets, whether it's an email filter, or anything that we use in our lives. Anything that we do over and over and over and over again, you find that you just want to automate it. Yeah, but it, it, specifically in the context of web automation, why use them? And and that's interesting because it used to be we all had one computer. You know, you had your Mac, you had your Apple II, you had your whatever. And from there, you you automated the tedium in your life. But now that's not true. I mean, just about everybody's got one computer and one, you know, information phone. And maybe they've got a tablet, too, and maybe they've got a laptop, and maybe they've got a separate computer at work. And, I mean, I, I know I'm not typical, but I have a lot of computers in my life, you know. And uh, <laughs> and so, you know, managing this stuff on one computer isn't going to cut it for some of the stuff, especially things that happen on the web. And the two big categories that hit me there are information pipes, you know, stuff that's feeding you information, and stuff that needs external information to do stuff. You know, both of those things need to hit the web at some point. And there are some really awesome tools on the web to to handle some of that for you. So web automation really has a place because of all the different devices we're carrying, I think. Well, let's let's talk about a couple of those. Uh the main one that I use is if this then that, which according to their website is pronounced Ift, like lift without the L. I just go iftitit. Iftitit. Yeah, I don't care. Yeah, there's that one, and then there's pipes. And I think we should start with pipes, actually, because all right. because the pipes is is the grandfather of all this stuff, right? Uh, Yahoo Pipes. Yeah, it started it. Is, yeah, it's like four or five years old. And it, oh, I think it's longer, older than that. I mean, it? Yahoo Pipes was. Uh, you know, I looked this up before we started the show, but Yahoo Pipes has been going at least since two thousand and seven. 
Oh, you know what? On the Wikipedia page, it says it was, <laughs> how's this for Yahoo? It sounds almost like Google. It was launched on February 7th, 2007, and its current status is beta. It was launched on my birthday. You like yeah. that? Yeah. Um, well, you know, and it's weird. It was designed for you. It's weird because you don't know, is it going to stick around? Because, you know, Yahoo's been been really weird. There's been <laughs> a lot going on at Yahoo. Yeah. I, I think they're on a better path now. Well, they got new management. That's what everybody yeah. seems to be happy about. Anyway, so Yahoo Pipes is there. And so what does Yahoo Pipes do? Um, if you go to pipes.yahoo.com, that's the homepage for it. And they've got some really slick videos to show you how to do this. But uh, this is really simple stuff. Mac Power users are going to have no trouble building Yahoo Pipes. And it's it's like a user interface. It reminds me a little bit of Automator in that you grab pieces and tie them together. And mm-hmm. instead of using the brick metaphor that, I get from Automator. I always call them Legos. Uh, this is pipes, you know. And so I've got some really good ones that I've built. And but, This reminds me of Mousetrap. Yeah, it does, kind of. That's a good way to put it. That's a good way to put it. So, like, for instance, I've got one. I'm going to share this in the show okay. notes. So I think you can make it public. In fact, I'm certain you can. And if I can't make it public, at least I will put a screenshot up. But I think I'm going to make it public so anyone can tie into it. Um, there's, so there's a couple blogs that I like that are big, you know, these fire hose type blogs. Right. Um, one of them is the verge and the other one is Ars Technica. I think both of those, those publications have really smart people writing for them. However, um, they throw so much out there. There's no way I'm going to read all that. And frankly, I don't even want to see it. So I have this. Right. You stick one of these in your RSS reader and all of a sudden you've got 500 unread items every morning. Yeah. And I, so I started making this pipe for it. And I just actually started playing with it as we were prepping this show because it solved a problem. And so I've got a pipe built where it takes both the Verge and Ars Technica and combines them into one feed, which, you know, sounds horrifying at some level. Yes. But then it goes through a filter, and the filter items uh, filters out items by title. It blocks anything that contains the word lawsuit in the title. <laughs> you know, because all these patent lawsuits, I don't care. In fact, I was just going to say, you could just filter the word patent and you'd be Guess fine. what? The, this, this, okay. this block filter blocks any of the following. Lawsuit, judge, mediation, patent, Windows, Android, Microsoft, Samsung, Right. Just mm-hmm. like that, I knocked out a ton of the stuff they have that I have no interest in reading. So so I started building this thing. Every time I see an article in that feed that is of a category that I know I don't ever want to see again, I can go and just add a few more words to the pipe. And then it makes an output. <clears throat> you take that output, and then you uh, get an RSS feed from that. You can unsubscribe from the main feeds from those two uh, publications and then you can just take that RSS feed, drop it in your feed reader, and then you've got a customized feed that works great. Um, you know, Brett Terpstra, of course, Brett, right? You know, he uh, right. he did one of the these robot. for, uh, what did he do it for? Um, for Lifehacker. And he did it one where he took out the word Android, you know, because they were posting a lot about Android. Uh, this stuff is really easy, and it takes all of the, like five minutes to set one of these up. If you've got some feeds that you like, but you know the signal to noise is is wrong, fix it yourself. I mean, a- another application this would be for pet, you know, bloggers with pet issues. Like occasionally, I'm known to put up like something about Star Wars, right? Because it just was a big deal to me when I grew up. I I can't let go, and I'm sure there's a lot of people who read my blog who are happy to read about nerdy Mac stuff, 
who could, you know, give a rat's, you know what, about Star Wars. You could put one up, Max Sparky blog, you know, block anything that has the word Star Wars in the title. You know, I mean, everybody's got some issue that the readers don't want to hear about or some readers don't want to hear about. So if you got creative with this stuff, you could really, really customize the Internet uh, to your liking. Uh, so I think we should talk a little bit about how I did that. Yeah. Well, you know, you can also do, and I've been playing around with this too. What is a podcast? A podcast is basically an RSS feed with an enclosure, right? Yeah. You, a Yahoo Pipes works the exact same way that you're describing with podcasts. So there are a couple of big networks like CNET, for example, has a lot of great video podcasts that I enjoy. But some of their shows, you know, I don't like to watch their daily news show. I'm just not, you know, they've got so many daily news shows types things that are, you know, two or three minutes that if I subscribe to every single one of those, my, my feed would just be ridiculously long. But that's what I do on Sunday mornings is I like to sit down and catch up with my with my video podcast. Yeah. So I, I've created a, an experimental Yahoo pipes because CNET has this all video podcast feed, but yet I've specifically excluded some of their daily shows. So it, it keeps the, the signal to noise ratio, I guess a little bit down. Not that their shows are bad. It's just, if you're only catching up once a week, you don't want all of the daily news shows. Uh, Jason Snell did a tweet on this where he, he likes five by five, like, uh-huh. Like all smart people. Right? Like all of us, yes. And uh, he listens to the After Dark, and he wanted to not get every show's After Dark from the After Dark feed. You know, this was well, before, he wanted ours, right? Or Dan, I don't think we had even posted any at that time, so we're we're well, we need to make sure he updates fully innocent. Um, but either way, uh, so he made a pipe that says, "Look at the After Dark feed from Five by Five, and if the title contains X, then don't download it, or if the title contains Y, download it." And then uh, Dr. Drang picked up on that and did his own, you know, you know, Dr. Drang, Rachel, he was just here last show. I thought it was Stephanie. Oh, that's right. Something like that. Anyway, so he did one as well. And so you, there's a lot you can do with this. Now, setting it up is really easy. So I thought I'd just talk it through a little bit. Um, you can go see it, but um, there's all these controls. And the key one for what we're talking about is the fetch feed command, which is just a little box that says fetch feed. And then you go to the website of your choice and click on the RSS button, which puts an address in your browser bar. Copy that and paste it in the fetch feed, and you just cop- you just got the RSS. Right. And um, because I'm putting two into one, there's, there's a command, a, a, what they call an operator, which is called union. And that allows you to take up to five feeds and stick them into one pipe. That's all it is. It's just like one of those things you get at the, you know, at Home Depot where you take two pipes and turn it into one. This is what the union command does in Yahoo Pipes. And then at the the end of that, I put a filter. And the filter is is real simple. It's like a mail rule. You can say block or allow any items that match any or all of the following. And I just have the title contains, and I gave you the list earlier, you know, lawsuits, judges, mediations, and, you know, just stuff I'm just not interested in. And the list just keeps getting longer. And then that goes to an output, which once you click on that, you can see the RSS feed. As long as it took me to explain it, it's about as long as it takes to create it. Excellent. Yeah. So Yahoo Pipes are really super. And the nice thing about that is once you've got that RSS feed, that gives you something else you can do further automation with at ift. 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 Okay. If this, then that. 
you, you can take, because that, that'll look at an RSS feed. So you could start with a pipe to get the feed down to just what you wanted, and then you could do something interesting with it. And if this, then that. Right. I'm already tired of the way I pronounced it, so I'm just going to say if this, then that for the rest of the show. I think that's probably a good policy. All right. Are we ready to talk about if this, then that? Maybe we should take a break and talk about our, our first sponsor and then get into if this, then that. Yeah, let's do the first sponsor. All right. Well, our first sponsor for this episode is one of our favorites, 1Password. And, you know, 1Password is the app that allows you to create, store unique, strong passwords for just about every site. Because at this point, if you are not using a different password for every single website that you're surfing, and if that is not a unique password, and if that is not a random password, you're putting yourself at so much risk. And this is so hard, right? You know, you've got to come up with random, crazy passwords that you've then got to remember and and type them all in, and it just gets absolutely insane. And the reality is, is this is why nobody does what they're supposed to do, right? So 1Password solves this problem. And the way that 1Password solves this problem is, you know, they've got this beautiful application that syncs using the Dropbox backend and and support for extensions for all of your favorite web browsers and some of your non-favorite web browsers too, so that no matter where you are, whether it's on your Mac, on your PC, on your iPad, on your iPhone, on your Android device, you have access to all of your passwords. You can access them with your one super secure master password, which is the only thing that you have to remember because I've got a lot of other junk that's floating around in my head that I don't have to remember. And it's all there. One password will automatically generate strong passwords for you. It will remember them. You can throw in your software serial numbers information in there. You can put in secure notes in one password. I've been using that more and more. We're getting ready to to update our insurance information at work, which is always such a pain. And this lady on the phone was asking me all these questions about you know, medications and, and prescriptions and all this other stuff. And thankfully I had my iPad or I had all that information stored in one password and I was able to to pull it up at a glance and actually finish the questionnaire on the phone with her rather than have to call her back later. Yeah, that's something so, not to underestimate because the secure notes allow you to put something on your iPad or your phone that has its own separate layer of password protection. And you know, just opening like a note or you know, even just a text editor file and putting your medical information in on your iPhone. Boy, that's, you wouldn't want to do that. Yeah, that's really asking for it. Because then yeah. when you hand your phone off to a friend, even, they can get into all that information that you probably won't want to do. And, and not to mention all those apps make it really easy just to email off a copy of whatever you're working on as well. Well, now with Mountain Line, of course, it syncs everywhere if you're just putting it on the notes field. Yeah. Siri knows all about your business. Yeah, so you know, one password, secure notes. I've, I've got a ton of information in there on mine as well, and it's just everywhere. You can create it on the Mac, and it just shows up on your iPad. Yeah, we had a, a physician write in and tell us how he goes around to different hospitals, and different hospitals, depending on what he's doing, and even different floors, he has different lockers depending on where he is, and he has all of his locker information in a 1Password database file yeah. or a 1Password secure net. That's a great use for 1Password. You know, 1Password is just, they make it really easy to be smart and secure about the way you use your computer. Um, you know, the the people in my life who are not nerds and crazy about this stuff that get used to 1Password all use it, and you don't need to be, you know, super geek to pull this off. My wife, for example, 
has really secure passwords now on everything she does. Whenever she sends me a password for something that she wants me to help her with, I'm very proud of her in terms of, of following through with this. And I know that all of the stuff in our family is is well secure because of one password. And that would not be the case if I weren't for this application. Yeah. You can find one password in the Mac App Store. It's $49.99. If you need it for a PC, you can go to their website at onepassword.com and they sell a Mac and Windows bundle for $69.99. They're also in the App Store. You can get an iOS Pro version for $14.99. That's a hybrid version that will work on both of your iPhone, iPod Touch, and your iPad. And they have just the regular versions that's an either-or for $9.99. And if you use the link on our website, you can save 20% off anything that is purchased through the 1Password store directly. So make sure you check that out. And thanks to 1Password for their continued support of Mac Power users. Okay, so we've talked about the grandfather of web services, the Yahoo Pipes. Now let's talk about the upstart. Yeah, the new kid on the block is If This Then That, and that's at... IFTTT.com. I always have to think about that whenever I type it in. I guess I should probably just go ahead and bookmark it. And like so many of these these different types of automation services, it's it's just an if-then statement, and that's actually in their title. If this happens, then do this. And and the way that if this, then that is set up is they've got a number of channels that you can use. And as of the the date that we're recording the show at the end of July, they've got 49 channels and they're probably services that you're very familiar with. They've got integration with Twitter, with uh, Dropbox, with Facebook, with RSS feeds, with a lot of the Google services, whether it be Gmail or Google Reader or Google Calendar or Google Talk. Uh, they can integrate with Instagram or Instapaper. If you just go on their website, you can see all of the various different services that they will integrate with and with WordPress. And I'll talk a little bit about that because I've got some different services that are set up using WordPress. And so you you have triggers and then you have actions. So the trigger is the this part of the statement and then the action is the that part of the station. So, and they, they have a very interesting graphical interface. So, if something happens in your Instagram account, then you want it to do something in your Dropbox account. So you you figure out how you want to what you want to do, and then you can mesh these these two things together. And then they've of course got a community based uh, sharing, so you can once you create all of these unique and interesting recipes, you can share them so that other people can use them too. Yeah, when they first started, I, I found out about these guys when they first launched, and it wasn't that impressive to me. It seemed like it was pretty rough when it first got started. So I tried it for a while and it, I just didn't really, I wasn't happy, but it's got much better. I mean, well, they've added, they've added more, uh, more channels. And also it just seems like it runs better. I mean, it, it's just, it's, it's very useful now. Right. I'll tell you the one thing about if this, then that, that makes me a little bit skeptical is where are my passwords going? So you're talking about when you link it to a service. When you link it to a service like Facebook or WordPress or Evernote, now some of the services have their own login and, and will connect you. So you log in through like the Twitter website or you log in through the Facebook website to authenticate your account and then you're connected. But some of them are just like, go ahead and your password here. Yeah, I believe that they go through, I, I shouldn't say this because I don't know it for a fact, but I believe everything is done without them actually getting your password. Well, and I, I was trying to find that specifically stated on their website and I couldn't, um, you know, the best I could find is that, you know, they use SSL layer, you know, secure socket layer encryption, blah, blah, blah. 
but I couldn't find anything expressly that said that. I hope that's the case. And if anybody knows for sure, please, please write in and let us know. Yeah, that'd be a good comment. Very useful. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. But but getting back to uh, Katie's original point about if this, then that. So they've got all these channels. Now it's 49. And it's not just web services. Some of it's just basic information like date and time. So you can set something to happen at a specific date and time. Like if you always miss your wedding anniversary, you could make one that says, two days before my wedding anniversary, send me a text message and say, don't forget your anniversary, silly. And you could set up a couple of those, right? Sure. Um, and it's got, in addition to your own specific services, it's got a bunch of, of web searches uh, technologies as well. For instance, Craigslist. If you're saying, okay, now I, I really want to get myself one of those um, 11-inch MacBook Air. I'm going to get one of those used ones. So you put Craigslist to search for that term. And whenever something comes up, you can have it email you or send you a text message to say, you know, we just got a new one showing up on Craigslist. Um, they can search RSS feeds as well. So you can say if Max Sparky ever writes about Star Wars, send me a text message. I need to know right away. And you could Absolutely. do that. So I, I have that set up. Oh, on do my you? This, then yeah, that. I'll, yes, I'll I do. share that one with you. Yeah. <laughs> but the um, it, it really is... It's pretty damn useful if you start start playing with it that way. And if you use the Google services, I think it's really useful because you know the, everything on Google is web based. So the um, the the hooks into the Google services are real deep. So I mean, I've got a couple of services that I've I've used if this then that to set up for. One I'm very proud of that I just tested for the first time this morning as I was researching the show. I don't know if I tweeted about I think I tweeted about this. You know, I've been I've been experimenting with different web hosts and one of the things that's always so annoying for me, not this part, but every Monday, of course, I, I get up Monday morning and I post the show. Because I'm on the I'm on the East Coast, you're on the West Coast, want the show to go out early. So you do all the prep Sunday night before you go to bed to get the show all ready to post. And then Monday morning I get up and I post it so that it's ready for everybody on their commute into work. Well, no, and the, the fact is I could set it to automatically post, but we all know we don't that's a bad it. idea. Yeah, that's bad. <laughs> we tried that a couple of times and it didn't work We need so well. another human to look at it before it goes out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Speaking of which, we got to talk to you about putting the right date on the show. But anyway, moving on. Um, so we do that. And I always mean, you know, David... We post it on uh, on five by five. We post on Mac Power users, and then usually within a day or two, David puts a, a note on Mac Sparky saying, "Hey, the latest Mac Power users is up." And I put a post on KatieFloyd.me saying, "Hey, the latest Mac Power users is up." And I don't know what it is and what is wrong with me, but when I'm when I'm posting the show on Monday mornings, usually I'm kind of in a hurry to to get out the door and start my day, but I can never manage to get my blog post up. And I always say, "You know what? I'll I'll do it later in the day." And I always forget. And then it becomes later in the week, and I forget. And then it becomes a lot later in the week, and I forget. And I can never remember to put that blog post up on my site that says, hey, the latest Mac Power users is posted. And sometimes I forget until like two or three weeks later, and I'm like, oh, well, now it's kind of silly to put up that latest blog post. So, and I've made this process really easy. I've created text expander snippets. I've got Mars Edit installed. I mean, this is really simple. All I have to do is type a couple of keystrokes, and this this blog post is is edited. But for some reason, I just can't make myself do it every Monday so morning. The, the trouble is that you're lazy. Sounds to me. Like. It, that's exactly what the trouble is. That's exactly what it is. So when I was noodling a little bit around with with if this then that, 
I saw, okay, well, they've got, they've got a couple of channels that could be useful here. I, I never thought this was a problem if this then that could solve. They've got an RSS channel and they've got a WordPress channel. So what can I do with these? Well, we've got an RSS feed that's associated with Mac Power users. Okay. And I've got a WordPress blog. Okay. So it was really simple. I was able to take the Mac Power users RSS feed. I was able to import it into my WordPress blog. I added a little additional text at the beginning, a little additional text at the end. And now, as soon as a new post to the Mac Power users RSS feed goes up, a new post goes up on my website that says, hey, the new Mac Power users is posted. And by the way, here's all the show notes. And I was, I was a little worried about it. I'm thinking, oh, this isn't going to look good. It's not going to be clean. It's, it's going to be all, all junky. And it, it turned out looking pretty good. 5 by 5 site puts up some pretty nice uh, RSS content. Okay, so you're getting the RSS feed from the 5 by 5 not from the MacPowerUsers.com. Well, that's a little bit inside baseball, but it's the same RSS feed. Yeah, okay. That's right. Yeah. Oh, you're right. That's right. Okay, yeah. so... It's it's the original RSS feed we set up yeah, and, eons ago. And it's our it's our RSS feed, yeah. And then and then you have pre canned the opening and the closing sentence. Or yeah, it says the latest Mac Power users is posted. Blah blah blah. And then and then it go, I put a little image. You know, so I've got some HTML with the image in there, and I say the latest Mac Power users posted, and I click back to it. And then it goes right into the intro text, and this this last one says, you know, Dr. Drang joins Katie and David to talk about technology he uses, and then it goes right into the links for this episode. Yeah, great. So that yeah. just happens using if this. It just happens. Yep. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff you could do with the RSS feeds. I mean, uh, you could... Uh, but don't steal other people's content. Yeah, I guess you could do that. Uh, I hope you would. <laughs> now my next RSS feed is I'm going to say, go to MaxSparky.com. Yeah, just uh, well. There's already scripts written for that. Those people are already well of well above. Uh, if this, then that. That's true. Um, you know, just just looking at some of the examples on the website, people are taking the RSS feed of movies and adding them to their calendar. You know, because oh. you've got a plug-in for your calendar and a plug-in for an RSS feed that has the latest and greatest movie releases. Sure. Um, you know, I thought you were going to say they were downloading the movies somehow. No, no, I'm just that. saying they could put it to their calendar. But they, they could send themselves an email. I mean, all these things, it's plug and play. So there's a, for every channel, there's you know another use for it. Um, the I talked about the Craigslist, you know, send you a text or an email when Craigslist has something good. Um, you can also use a phone call. I mean, you could actually have it call. And the, uh, um, a lot of people hook up Twitter to this stuff, too, so... You could follow Twitter. I, w- one of the things, you know, I, I keep toying with, with Gmail because there's some really cool web-based stuff you can do. Um, I've attached both my Gmail and my email account to If This Then That. And uh, with my email, um, the things I can do with it is um, I can have it send an email, send, send If Then That any email, and that's a trigger. And for example... I have a case that I was trying to settle and it was kind of important that if the other lawyer wrote me, I found out right away and I don't check email very often. So I have my, if this, then that email address and I had a rule set up in Apple mail in the rules. And it said, if the email comes in from this person, you know, forward it to if, if this, then that my special email that they give me when I tied my email account to it. Mm-hmm. And then send me a text message saying that 
that email came in and it worked perfectly. You know, the one, the email came in, I got a text message. I was able to deal with it and save the day. Yeah. And so you, again, don't have to have all those email notifications that you're such an advocate of. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I'm not a big fan of email notifications, but I made a custom one for this one thing and it worked. Right. Um, George, George Starcher wrote me when we were talking about doing the show saying that he did, did something similar. He was waiting on a very important email and set up a similar pipe where it sent him an SMS message as soon as he got it. Now, if I were a Gmail user, um, the Gmail triggers and if this and that are much better. It's not just getting an email forwarded. It actually can look at the from field in Gmail and say, if I get a, you know, email from John Jacob Jingleheimer Smith, then send me a text message. I don't have to go through all that shenanigans of setting up a rule in mail and having it forward to a special. It just happens, you know. And and Merlin was talking a little bit about how that's what what he basically did because he uses Gmail and then he uses Gmail in conjunction with Boxcar, which is a notification service that will give you push notifications on on iOS. So once you download, if if I'm if that's the correct. Yes, that's the correct app, I think, is Boxcar. So if you had this plugged into, G- instead of getting an SMS text message, for example, if you didn't want to pay the messaging fees, you could just get a Boxcar notification on iOS. Yeah, I think actually Merlin, maybe it was Merlin or somebody else that was talking about a Wayfind, which is a really cool service that, once again, works really good with Gmail, you know, because Gmail's web-based. Uh, the Gmail triggers, and if this, then that, also include a new email label. So if someone sends an email that has a specific label, it gets to you. Um, and I think probably most powerful is email from search. You know, so if you have an email search field that's looking for an email coming in with the word Farfignugan, right, and it comes in, then you get you get sent a notice immediately. Right. Now you can't again that that only works with Gmail. Yeah. The way that you kind of hacked it was that you had an Apple Mail rule running on your iMac at your I'm guessing your iMac at your house that's kind of on all the time in the background. Yes. And I and, could I could do all of these things. I could look for an email with something in the label. I could look for an email with contents that include the word Farfignugan. There's all these ways I could do this manually, but it's not nearly as cool as just having it look at the source. But if your kids came home and started playing a game and turned off your email at your iMac, this this whole system comes crashing down. Right? If it's not running in the background, none of this stuff works. Yeah, but... Yeah, yeah, but that doesn't happen. I mean, I, okay. I I have things in place. I use a um, keyboard maestro macro that if mail gets shut down, it just restarts and minimizes it. Oh, you could also probably do that with Lingon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, that's another. Either way, uh, so it's easier to do this on the web end than on the home end. And you know, how many people are fortunate enough to have a Mac sitting home just doing stuff for them all day? Not everybody. Right. Right? You- as anti-Gmail as you were, I, you're coming around to it. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not using it on a regular basis. All my, you know, primary email accounts are not Gmail. It would be a huge, massive thing for me to do that switch. And as cool as all that is, I'm still not sure I'm going to bother because, you know, Apple's got the VIP thing coming with iOS six and and Mountain Lion, where you can pick certain people where you do get notices and nobody else. And, uh, you know, with those limited tools and some of this, if this, then that, you know, chicanery, is that the word? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could probably get get it by 
with uh, with these tricks, even though it's not as easy or as as, as quick. Hmm. Who knows? Well, what? Why don't we take a quick break and talk about our next sponsor, and then we'll get into a little bit more about how we use some of these web automation for, for our own uses, and then we'll get into some, some listener submissions. How does that sound? Okay. I can talk about this to a while. Yeah, I know. That's why we should probably take a break. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's talk about our next sponsor, and that is the Omni Group. And the Omni Group has, again, been a long-term sponsor of Mac Power users, and, and we appreciate their continued support. And, David, I know you were hankering to talk about, because you, you take every opportunity you can to talk about, your favorite application of all time in the entire universe forever and ever, and that is OmniFocus. I think you're right. I think it is my favorite application of all time. Although... Yeah. I don't know. I really enjoyed those text adventures. And then there was the Jersey Larry. Uh, well, either way. Uh, yeah, OmniFocus is my favorite application on the Mac by far and probably on the iPad as well. So it's a great task management application. It, it's very powerful. I did three screencasts on it that I think they're 40 hours if you add them all up. Yes, that's about right. And, um, and in honor of the fact that there are 40 hours of screencasts, OmniFocus is now $40. On the Mac. Wow. Yeah, that's awesome. So I think it was a steal before at the higher price, but now it's even it's even less expensive. So if you've been waiting to get in, now's the chance. Watch the screencast and just download it. But boy, this application really helps me ground myself because I've always got a lot going on. And I'm, I'm making promises to so many people, it's hard for me to keep track of them. So I write everything down in OmniFocus. I wake up every day. It tells me what's on deck for that day. And it gives me a chance to, to plan my day in a way that makes me not crazy. Does that make sense? Or less crazy. Yeah, I think so. No, it makes me not crazy. Cause I, I know, you know what I've got, I, what I'm up against, what I can't get done so I can make changes and adjustments. It also lets me review how I'm doing with my tasks. And I think this is kind of a unique feature of OmniFocus is that it makes it so easy to review projects, which is, you know, canon for getting things done, but it's also just a really good idea. And you can set times on those. For instance, I've got some tasks that I only review every six months, and I've got some that I review every week. In fact, I've got a couple that I review every couple days when they get really hot. And uh, all that's possible with OmniFocus. Um, th there's so much I do with this application. I, I think my screencasts are what I, I think they're 100 hours if you add them all up, <laughs> something like that. I thought they were 40 hours. No, no, it's definitely 100. Um, it's definitely 100 hours. Uh, are you still using OmniFocus? You switched over, I am. Right? No, I've been using it. Well, I've switched from the other one to OmniFocus. And, and one of the things that I that made me want to make the switch from OmniFocus is that OmniFocus is everywhere. OmniFocus is on your Mac. It's on your iPhone. It's on your iPad. And it's not just a different miniaturized version of the Mac version on your iPad or on your iPhone, OmniFocus has really taken, or the Omni Group in general, with all of their applications across the board, have really taken care to say, this is the experience that we want to give. This is the optimal experience for this advice. So the iPad version maybe doesn't look like the Mac version. Obviously, it still has a lot of the same features and it still has the same functionality, but the Mac version is optimized for when you're sitting at a keyboard and you're sitting at a screen and, and you're able to input all of this data. And the iPad version is optimized for when you're sitting 
sitting with the iPad and the same with the iPhone version. The iPhone version is really optimized for that small screen on the, the iPhone version. So what I tend to do is I tend to use OmniFocus at my Mac when I'm, when I'm going through and when I'm just plowing through my inbox, my virtual and my physical inbox, and I'm, I'm adding tasks to my task list. And I'm organizing and I'm sorting them. And a lot of times I will use the iPad version for going through and reviewing everything because something about being able to physically hold the iPad in two hands and, and it, it's like I'm, I'm taking my life in my hand literally and seeing everything that I have to do and how it's coming up and I'm able to organize and rearrange and review. And then the iPhone version is great for telling me what's coming up next if I just need a quick glance and my favorite part, checking things off. Yeah, it feels pretty good when you can do that. It does. So uh, as David says, there's now a lower price on OmniFocus for Mac. If you've ever been hesitant to do this, there's no reason not to now. So OmniFocus for Mac is only $39.99. The iPad version also saw a price drop. It's available in the App Store for $19.99. And there's an iPhone version as well for $19.99. So go check them out. You can find more information on omnigroup.com. David's screencasts are an excellent place to start. Uh, there's a free demo version that you can download for the Mac over at Omni Group. And give it a try and see if it works for you after you watch the screencast. And the thing about the Omni Group is they offer a money-back guarantee on all their software, including that for iOS. So if you get in and you're like, this just isn't working for me, and you contact them, they'll give you your money back. I mean, if there's a, I think it's within 30 days, but... It's really, I mean, these guys believe in their product. And fr- frankly, if you just take the time to learn this stuff, you will really uh, appreciate it. All right. And we should mention also that Omni has built their own sync solution. And all of your data just effortlessly syncs across all of your devices. I use the Omni Sync server. You can use other stuff. But that's what I use for syncing. Yeah. So yeah. let's talk a little bit about some of the uses people have given to If This Then That. Okay. Um, we we heard from a couple people. You you've done your automated blogging. Well, I've got one for you. I've got okay. one for you because you know because I for our our listeners only. Not that I would ever do this otherwise. Uh, they have a service. One of the one of the channels is called the Wemo. W e m o. Right. Is that is that a an animal of some kind? It sounds like it, but it's not. It's it's a it's a device made by Belkin, and there's two of them. There's a motion sensor, and there's a plug. And so, you can plug this into the wall at your house and plug it into a lamp. Okay. Oh dear. <laughs> right? God. And I ordered one. I ordered both a motion sensor and a switch. And so, Pure, purely for show research. Yeah, I'm just sure. for research. And uh, so, and you can plug it into. Do you, this do you hear that CPA? It was just for research. So if you plug. For instance, the sw- the easy solution, you plug the switch into the wall and then you plug the lamp into it. And then you say, every day, internet, that it's you know 6 p.m., you can turn on the switch. And it works, right? So this, the internet tells my lamp to turn off or on. Or you can say, when the sun sets. Because the internet knows when the sun sets, whereas a clock attached to a switch does not. Or you could say, when I send a text message. To this, you know, that says this or that, you know, with the word off in it, for instance. Lamp on. Yeah. Lamp off. Yeah. Um, and and <laughs> it's really kind of awesome. And, yeah, I just had it for now three or four days. I've been playing with it, making Daisy crazy. Uh, but it's so fun. I mean, it, I, I could say every time I star an article in, you know, my Google It's reader, like the light going off. On. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
I could do it like, you know, every time I get a, I don't know if I could do this. It would be kind of cool if I could put every time someone gives me a five-star rating for my book, The Lamp Flickers. Wouldn't that be kind of <laughs> cool? <laughs> I'm going to figure that one out. Another <laughs> angel gets a swing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, you could also do, because they also have a motion sensor. And, and that's even more useful with this if this than that service. Um, for instance, we're going to go on vacation, so we're going to be gone for a week. And I could. Set the motion sensor up to say, text message me if the motion sensor gets set off. You know, someone walks mm. in the house, I get a text message. Um, uh, I mean, it's just, I mean, it's starting to interact with the real world now. You know, this is the next step towards, you know, the robot dominance of the, of the world, right? But it's pretty awesome. I I'm just trying to think what practical use I would have besides turning the lamp on and off. Well, that, that's one thing I don't the like. Motion, the motion sensor seems to make sense. Well, like uh, if I, I was um, telling my 15-year-old, yeah, I could put it down there, and when you come in at night, I could get a little text message to know what time you came home, and <laughs> she looked horrified. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's a practical use. And I, there um, you go. I, I wouldn't do that to her. <laughs> I trust her too much, but uh, it was fun just watching her face when I said it. So w- what are these What are these uh, Wemos? Yeah, 50 bucks. Fifty bucks 50 on Amazon for each component. Yeah. for each component. Yeah. So, and and it's just an outlet plug, so it doesn't have to be a lamp. It could be no. Well, they also have an iPhone app. So the the real use for it, not even just if this then that is, um, the way our house is set up, you've got to walk like twenty feet to get to the light switch for the interior of the house. Right. So what I do is when we pull up, and, it, and the app works on everybody's phone. So when we pull up at night and the house is dark, we push a button, the light turns on before we come in. Okay. But we could also put that on the motion sensor, too. You can tie the motion and the switch together. You can put the motion sensor, like, in your garage. And so when your car pulls in. Yeah, you could. You could. Yeah. So, but that's kind of fun, you know. And, and using that stuff with, with if this, then that, it's just kind of cool that such a thing exists. That's, that's cool. I'm not sure, uh, I'm not sure on-off does enough for me. But I can, I can see if you could tweak this more. Things like, you know, if if we got more than two inches of precipitation, then don't fire off my sprinklers or something like that. Well, and they've got another one here where they say um, some of their sample ones with the motion sensor is save the motion history to Dropbox, you know, or, or log it to, to Evernote. Hmm. Um, one of them is, um, I don't know how this works exactly. They've got one that says, tell me when it's time to clean up the litter box. Based an, on how often the email. cat goes in there? I guess that would, it would count the number of times, yeah. <laughs> when it Be- smells bad. Because it can make a log, you know. It doesn't have, you know, it can't smell. But I guess you could say if the cat was there ten times, you better go clean it. So <laughs> it's interesting. I mean, people are doing neat stuff with this, and it's all web-based. New title of the show. If the cat was at the litter box ten times. Yeah. Send we me a text do that, message. But, yeah. it, okay. Instagram is another one. People like if people say if, if there's an Instagram photo that's flagged with my name, save it to Dropbox. Yeah, I actually do something similar both with Instagram and with Facebook. I know you don't use Facebook at all, but most of my photos that I take are archived because I take them with my camera or with my iPhone. If they're with my iPhone, which 90% of my photos now are, then they're already up in PhotoStream and they're already in iPhoto. Or if I take them with my point-and-shoot camera, 
you know, then I stick the memory card in my Mac and they're uploaded into iPhoto. But there's still some photos that, for whatever reason, don't make it in the photo stream. Either they go onto Instagram or they're photos that I'm tagged of on Facebook. And so I've set up a couple of, I call these my photo archiving, um, my photo archiving, uh, uh, if, 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 recipes. So uh, any any Facebook photos that are posted or downloaded to Dropbox, any photos that I'm tagged in are downloaded to Dropbox. And then all my Instagram photos are downloaded to Dropbox because I don't know what really happens to those. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So and the, I, and then and then that and then I have a this is cheating because it's not web automation, but then there's a Hazel rule that watches that Dropbox folder and imports them into iPhone. Well, that's not cheating. That's just smart use. So you're using that's the web automation to get it to a certain place and using the, the local, local automation to finish on top it. of it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, all this stuff ties together. That's why I was, wanted to talk about Yahoo Pipes first, because you could set up a Yahoo Pipe that creates a special feed that has certain information in it, and then you could watch that feed with If This Then That to save those articles to Dropbox, and then you could take the you know a Hazel rule to grab everything in that Dropbox folder and email it off to your sister, you know, right. Um, this stuff, you know, if you start, it's just a lot of glue. If you start putting the pieces together, you can do some amazing stuff. Right. I've also used this. There's a, there's an, if this, then that recipe that I stole, I, I think maybe Terpster started this. I don't remember to send start. No, maybe not start items to Instapaper. I'm using Google reader quite a bit at the office on my office PC and, all of my stuff is in there. Now with some of the iOS apps like Reader and Reader for Mac and Reader for iPhone and iPad and you know it's easy to send an article to Instapaper. But with Google Reader, you can you can log into Instapaper, but there's a much easier way that if you use an if this then that recipe, anything you start in, in Google Reader just goes straight to Instapaper. Yeah. So I've started doing that. It's just so easy to go down. I want to read that, 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 that. I don't read anything in Google Reader hardly anymore. I just go down and star what I'm interested in and then I pick it up on Instapaper on my iPad later. Yeah, you could do the same thing to Evernote, sure, or to uh, uh, to Delicious, or I think I think they support. Um, don't they support Pinboard? Yeah, so you could pinboard, do something yep. on Pinboard as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, they I have just, a recipe Instapapers, there. Save pin. Instapapers just my preferred reader, but yeah, you could do it to anything. Yeah. Or I think you could also do it to if you start in Google Reader that goes to a Facebook post and you could share the link on Facebook or you could share the link on Twitter. I, I personally don't like to spam my Twitter followers and my Facebook people with all these links that I'm saving to read later. So Yeah, I think that's a mistake. And and we made fun of that on the Merlin Show, all the, the Twitter automation. I, I think the words automation and Twitter are, are, are not good. I, I just yeah. don't think anything that automatically sends a tweet out is something you want to be part of. Yeah, I I sometimes will, you know, Instapaper has a function where you can share something to Twitter, but I'm very selective with what I share. If it's something I've read and I've thought is interesting and worth sharing, I will, but I'm just not going to go through and share everything that I send to Instapaper on Twitter. Yeah. Nobody cares. Well, that's that's not automation. When you're saying, oh, I really like this article, you guys should read it. Yeah. If you if you do every single one, then you're not going to have many followers very long. Yeah, and I think just the the Twitter ones are are hilarious. Thanks for following me. Thanks for the follow back. Welcome. Yeah, yeah come on. Yeah, and and first off, there's there's also something about automating gratitude. Yeah. Oh, I didn't send my grandmother a thank you note for my birthday gift. I'm I got to do that. Can I? Can if this then that do that? I need to do that right now. 
Well, you can Go set ahead. a timer next I'm year set on a your timer birthday. I'm still within the window. I'm still within the window. I'm saying so you don't forget again. You could set next year on you know the day after your birthday, send grandma a note. Right. And it would just Thank show up. You. Actually, you know, there's just so much you can do with this stuff. And and you don't have to think about it then. You can just unplug, you know. It's just going to it's going to be there when you need it. I mean, the more you can offload this stuff, the better. Um another one that we saw there was a big thing on the internet about archiving tweets. Yeah, I did this. I'm not sure why I need to archive my tweets. Yeah, I don't care. I I don't know what my tweet said, you know, 3 weeks ago. I don't care. Well, I I guess I kind of get it from the perspective of it's almost like a journal. I mean, I have gone back and looked at my tweets and seen them almost as a, a moment in time. What was I doing? I've, I've never done that. Yeah. I don't, when I open Twitter, I don't scroll back to see what's happened in my absence. I just, mm, you, you just like dunk your head in the stream and see what's going on and yeah, pull out. Yeah. <laughs> I don't go back and read that stuff. And I, I don't know what I wrote on Twitter when I started. I, I started in 2007. I mean, I was pretty early to the game. And Lord knows what I wrote. Anyway. Hmm. Um, the, so that's pretty cool. And that was done by, it started out with, um, well, there's several bloggers that got involved in that game, right? Yeah, I think it, it started originally um Hugo did the original post on If This Then That, and we'll put a link to that in the show notes. And then Justin Blanton picked it up and wrote about it, which is really what got it some notoriety. And then Terpster, of course, modified it with Markdown support. And then Dr. Drang got involved, and then he modified it some more so that it no longer even uses If This Then That. So it's it's a whole thing. Yeah. Um. So what are some other things people are doing with this? The Facebook thing, I think, is is interesting. If you're a Facebook person, there's actually quite a few uh, triggers you can look at. It's new status message, new link to post, you know, new uploaded a photo, new tag in a photo. I mean, they, there's a lot of things you can do with Facebook. Profile changes. That's a good one, I guess, if you're into this stuff, right? When your, uh, your ex-husband like, changes the profile, you can have it send you a message, right? That's just stalking. Yeah, so you can more probably. effectively Facebook stalk now? Yeah. I'm I'm enabling. Okay. What are you using any others? I'm that's about the extent of, of what I'm using. But we've got you know, we've got a lot of listeners who've written in with, with recipes that they're using. Now let's talk about some of them. Yeah, we'll talk about that. Uh, Arjan wrote in and talked about how he was using If This Then That to notify him about deals. You know, there's certain deal websites, Mac Stories being one of them, where they'll post a deal about something hot that's going on. And unfortunately, if you're not there and you don't see it pretty quick, it's probably gone. So if it's in your RSS feed and it was posted eight hours ago, the, the deal's probably gone. So he, again, created an If This Then That recipe that will go through his RSS feed. And when it sees a Mac deals, it will email him so he'll know about it. Smart. It's kind of in the same vein as what I was talking about, a, uh, a Craigslist recipe. Right. Um, George Starcher, who is just, you know, brilliant, uh, has an entire blog post that I don't know that I'm even going to try to explain, but we'll just put a link into the show notes. But he talks about how he uses, just as you were describing, first Yahoo Pipes and then If This Then That to monitor his as a specific website, I think his website or anybody's website, to find out when a site was down. 
So if if you're you know you could find out is what does Max if Max Sparky went down you would want to know if Mac Power users went down we would want to know. So how can you find out if the site is unavailable or or what's going on so that you can go ahead and do something with it? Yeah. So this is fascinating. I'm reading this post as you're talking. George is a really smart guy. Okay. Yeah. We're gonna have to get him on the show again. Yeah. Um. And uh, uh, Todd wrote in about a journal. He had a text file where he wanted to quickly record cute things his, his kids said, and uh, usually just a sentence or two. So he keeps a text file in Dropbox so we can add entries from his iPad, his phone, his Mac, whatever. And, um, and he can't use Dropbox on his work PC, but he was finding it was still taking time to open that text file and type in the entries. So he made an If This Then That recipe using Gmail and Dropbox. So he always has Gmail open on his computer. He can quickly compose an email. Then he writes it to himself with an entry in the body that uses the unique keyword like kid journal. And if this, then that watches Gmail for any subject line with kid journal. And when it occurs, it appends the body text to the date and the end of the designated text file in Dropbox. So he's using if this, then that to append files to this text. I mean, it's something we used to do with Quicksilver, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's doing it. On the web. Smart guy. Yep. And Kevin wrote in about how he's updating his Twitter avatar whenever Facebook photo is updated. So if you're the kind of person, I haven't updated my Facebook photo in years or my Twitter photo for that matter. And my Facebook photo is so out of date. So apparently if you want to keep up to date with the times and you update your Facebook photo daily or whatnot, you can automatically update your Twitter avatar whenever your Facebook photo is updated. Uh, you yeah. could really get lost in this stuff. You could. You could. Uh, if you're if you're curious about this, I recommend going to the channel list and just looking at stuff that you have. And even if you haven't registered it with uh, the if this then that service, you can still see recipes that are popular that people have used on them, and that'll give you some kind of idea where you can go with it. But man, just about anything on the web is covered here: Tumblr, Twitter, Yammer, WordPress, Last FM, SoundCloud. You know, Johnny was talking about SoundCloud on that show. It's there. Mm-hmm. Flickr. You know, Facebook. I mean, it's all there. Delicious. Who uses Delicious anymore? I don't know anybody that uses Delicious. Is Delicious still around? Yeah, I know. That's the joke, isn't it? Um, Boxcar. So Boxcar is another notification service. Well, they plug right into If This Then That. So you can use Boxcar notifications to run it through an If This Then That pipe, and then you can make all kinds of whizzy stuff happen. And I think this list is only going to get longer. As we recorded, it's 49. Who knows? By the time the show airs, maybe it's 52, right? Maybe. I think Wemo needs a temperature sensor, though, and a smell sensor. Now that oh, you, dear God. you've got me thinking about this. The smell of vision Yeah, that'd be great. Okay. Mm. Temperature, I can see them doing it. I don't know about smell. Before we go off on too much of a tangent with the Wemo, let's talk about our last sponsor, and then we'll get into some feedback, okay? Help get us out quick. <laughs> Daisy Disc. So we're so pleased that Daisy Disc came back to us. Uh, you know, I found out something kind of amazing the other day. I was running Daisy Disc, and I always have my um, my dock hidden. Okay. Okay. Have you have you noticed what happens in your dock when you run Daisy Disc? No, because my doc's always hidden too. Okay, so do it right now. Just so open it and run a scan, and then look at your doc, and okay. it, it animates the scan in the doc icon. 
That's so cool, you know? I, oh, the little things going around. Yeah, I mean, these guys, they spent that much time That's working on clever. their dock icon. So what do you think they did in terms of running the software, right? Oh, I'm about a quarter of the way through. Yeah, it's it's, it's hypnotic. You can sit there and look at it, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm not paying any attention to you. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Well, so Daisy Disk is an application to manage your disk. And, you know, everybody says, well, you know, we've had those for years. It gives you a bunch of blocks and it tells you what's taking up all your data. But nothing does it like Daisy Disk. It's gorgeous. It's a, It makes disk management fun. It gives you an interactive map with concentric circles showing the data blocks on your hard drive. And these days with SSDs, hard drive space is a big deal. So uh, you run Daisy Disk and you look at it and it breaks it down for you. And you can see very easily and colorfully where all the data hogs are on your drive. And you start digging through this stuff. And you'll find gigabytes of storage that you didn't even know you had. Um, we've talked about this in the past. Like my OmniFocus backup was out of control, so I had to make a Hazel rule. And all these things are going on in my hard drive. I didn't know it was there until I started using Daisy Disk. It looks amazing. It's lion friendly. It's ten dollars. You know, it used to be twenty when I bought it. It's ten dollars now. You can't can't go wrong with this application. Um, uh, you, you're still using it, right, Katie? Oh, of course I'm still using it. In fact, I just finished my scan. Uh, I finished it a few minutes ago, but you were talking, so I didn't want to interrupt you. And as I'm using it now, something's gotten wonky here because I've got 104 gigabytes being used in my user folder, which is a little odd for me. So I'm going to go in here and see what's going on. And sure enough, I've got two or three old episodes of the podcast, looks like, that I haven't archived off that are just sitting there. Because, you know, we make these big podcast files, and at the end of any given week, I probably have about 10 megs of, of podcast. 10 stuff. megs? 10 gigs, sorry. <laughs> 10 gigs. And so you can just grab those and drag them right from the the circles or from the menu and yep. pull them right onto the trash right in the application. Yeah, here's here's last week's show, 23.8 gigabytes. Yeah. So you just pull it over, put it in there, and it's gone. Oh, it's gone right now. We've had, Goodbye. We've had a lot of listeners uh, tweeting us and writing us about how much they like this application. You know, we're Mac users. We like things to be nice. And uh, Daisy Disk gets that. I mean, the, the icon animates. I don't know what else I can say. Uh, <laughs> if you want to manage your disk and have some fun while you're at it, go buy Daisy Disk. It's just 10 bucks. Let them know you heard about it from us. It's always great. Sponsors know that, that our uh, listeners are using their products. Right. And uh, thank you, Daisy Disk, for your continued support of Mac Power users. So I think we've covered uh, web automation as it exists today. This will definitely be a subject we'll come back to in the future because I think this is only going to get bigger. Um, if you've got some interesting recipes, I'm going to put a bunch of them in the show notes. But if you think of some good ones, put them in the comments at the at the blog so people can see them. Let us know. I'm always looking for stuff, you know, cool stuff to share. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so let's get some feedback. Um, David, Marvin finally wrote in. Everybody was so confused about your geofence list, and Marvin explains and actually gives us a solution. Yeah. The, so this is a recurring subject in our show. I think we're going to make it the Mac Power Users and and list discussion show for the next <laughs> six months because this subject won't go away. You know, there's some applications that are coming out now. Um, Merlin's solution was to build these things out in OmniFocus, and then he uses the map function of OmniFocus. As much as I love OmniFocus, and I do love that application truly and dearly, uh, but I don't feel like it's the place for me to keep my lists because that's where you I, don't you don't want to keep your 
grocery list in OmniFocus. We don't need to know in OmniFocus next to your super important court stuff that you need peanut butter and jelly. Well, no, OmniFocus has some very bland things in it. It tells me that I need to take the trash out or whatever. But it just the the grocery type list stuff, it's never really made sense for me to put it in there because uh, the way I manage tasks, I use start dates. And I don't want to see the grocery list every day when I'm sorting out my day. Um, right. And and I don't travel. I think Merlin travels a lot, so he likes to get off the plane and know where the nearest you know place he can get cold medicine is. Or actually, for Merlin, probably a lot of like um, oh, antibacterial stuff, right? Yes. <laughs> but the Purell. Uh, what? Yeah, Purell. 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 <laughs> but the um. So I was just wanted to put on a list, and I I like the reminders app. I know it's just the you know the goofy thing Apple makes, but the problem was that. Uh, and what I really love about that is that it uses Siri because I use Siri. I use the heck out of Siri. Have you noticed that Siri's like is even better than it was? I mean, it seems to me like it's much more stable. But you know who doesn't have Siri? Who doesn't have an iPhone 4S? Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. right. Okay. Well, either way. Well, when they you finally get around to it, I think you'll find that it's working better than it started. So I can, I'm holding out for the iPhone 5. I can hold the button down and say, you know, add carrots to my grocery list, and it does that. There's a grocery list, and there's carrots on it. It's that easy. I don't have to open an app. I don't have to try and fiddle with the keyboard. So I love that. But I, what I don't love is that those geofence reminders that they they bragged about at the event where they announced this are a total pain in the you-know-what to, to set up. I mean, you've got to set one up for each item like if you wanted to have a geofence reminder to say when i get near the grocery store tell me i need carrots you've got to go in and do that and you've got to put the address in for the grocery store so you've got to save the grocery store as a contact and it's just kind of a nutty thing and so then we got these apps coming out checkmark is the one everybody's talking about right now i bought it it's pretty cool um the way checkmark works is it puts the geofence around the list not the item mm-hmm. okay so uh, if I use checkmark, I can have my grocery list thing go off every time I'm near the grocery list, no matter how many things are on the list. That's cool. But it doesn't let me use Siri to add things, which is not cool because I love using Siri to add things. So there's, you know, there's not a solution to my problem. And then Marvin writes in and says, oh, you just need to add a item to your grocery list that says go to the grocery store and geofence that. And, and then you just never check it off, right? Yeah. Or if you have nothing on your list, you can check it off because the reminder shows you your completed items. You can move it back and forth. So like <laughs> if I've got a bunch of stuff on my grocery list, um, you know, for instance, usually grocery list is not a big deal. I don't have to go to the grocery store every day. You know, I'll be adding things to it, milk and carrots and all these things. And then when I finally get to the grocery store. You go once a week or so, right? Yeah, I'll open up reminders then and say, oh, yeah, I, I needed carrots. I won't make a special trip to buy carrots. But let's say that, you know, it's the day before Thanksgiving and I need a turkey. Um, I could I could add that that task from Marvin that says go to the grocery store that's geofenced. And then if I'm driving by there, I say, oh, yeah, it's reminding me I needed to get a turkey. I needed to go to the grocery store. So you don't have to geofence everything and have it always running, but when you do need it, it's there. And so, getting I've, a turkey the day before Thanksgiving may be one of those things you want to set up an if this then that rule to send you an SMS or something. Yeah, send me an SMS the week before mm-hmm. buy a turkey because she's got a thaw, you know. Yeah, I know, but I, I'm just using that as an example. I know, okay. I got you. So the um, so either way, I've got that going. Now. I'm using Marvin's thing, and it's working for me. I think that may be my solution. 
Harvey wrote in with a, an application suggestion called Mac Drop Any. And you remember I was talking and I think he rolled your eyes and fell asleep for a little bit about this whole process of when do I use Word documents on my iPad and when would I need to use them? And I told you about this, this whole ridiculous process about when I'm out and about on my iPad and I have to get access to a Word document, either I have to have, you know, thought far enough ahead to have drag and drop that folder that contains that particular file or that information to my Dropbox folder, or I have to call my assistant and be like, can you email me XYZ file so that I can get it on my iPad and make whatever change I need to make and then email it back to her so that she can save it back in, you know, to our, our network drive and things like that. Because of course our office's internal network is not on my iPad. So Harvey wrote in with the solution potentially to my problem called Mac Drop Any. And what it was is it is an it's an application that syncs your Dropbox folder with any folder on your drive. So that seems to be, you know, there's some other solutions like Sugar, Sugar Sync, which, you know, you don't have to have this limitation that a folder has to be in your Dropbox. But in Dropbox, in order for it to sync, a folder has to be in your Dropbox. So what you do is you just pick a folder that you want to sync and you tell it with Mac Drop Any. And so... There you go. You know what I like the best about that email is that Harvey said Is he called weird. you a weirdo? Yeah. <laughs> I've skipped over that part He's for you. He's so right, though. Now you mentioned it. <laughs> He's so right. Um, we got a message in, uh, which I thought was really kind. Uh, you know, At the end of the Dr. Drang show, we, we had a pretty good discussion about programming languages and how to get into some of this stuff. And uh, Keith wrote in, and, uh, and he said he had enjoyed the section about Python, Perl, and Ruby. He teaches a course at UC Davis, which is aimed at teaching non-programmers how to program. And they uh, made some resources. It's a 175-page primer on Unix and Perl. And he was kind enough to give the link, and he said, we can share it. So I'm going to put it in the show notes. So if you're interested in that stuff, download it and see what you think. Maybe that'll help you on your way. Uh, that's amazing. This is just the type of thing that iTunes U is, is going to be excellent for as soon as that gets really up and running. Yeah. Agree. How cool would that be? Yeah. So, all right. Well, I think that is going to wrap us up for this week. And uh, hey, we uh, we got our show back down to you know more manageable size. Yeah. The, this this subject you could we could go on forever about some of these cool things that if this and that. I think just go check it out and you'll find something you like. Yeah. So you can find more information and find links to all of the recipes that we talked about over at our website at MacPowerUsers.com or at 5x5.tv slash MPU. You can also send us feedback to feedback at MacPowerUsers.com. And don't forget, if you have a Yahoo Pipes or an If This Then That recipe that you want to share, go leave a comment on our blog. That's probably the best place to do it. We'll get a notification, but it allows other people to know about it, too. Yeah. You can tweet us at Mac Power Users or Katie at Katie Floyd or me at Max Barkey. Yeah, and then the show is on Facebook. David's not on Facebook, but you can find the show on Facebook at uh, facebook.com slash Mac Power Users. And I do want to say thank you to everybody uh, for the lovely iTunes comments. It, it really makes me makes my day. I go in there sometimes when I'm not feeling so very good and, and always up a thrill to see uh, the nice things that you've had to say about us on iTunes. And it really helps support the show uh, and help us get noticed and featured by Apple and get new listeners. So uh, thank you. And if you have a moment, please don't forget to rate the show in iTunes. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I think because both of us are lawyers, we deal with so People much. People don't say nice things about us. Yeah, and it's just so much negativity because things we deal with are really hard and people have really hard time. I, I can't tell you how much joy I get out of being part of this. And uh, 
I love to hear that that we're helping people. So please keep it That's up. That's great. That's great. Um, thanks to our sponsors for the show today. We had the Omni Group, we had Daisy Disk, and we had One Password. All great products. Please go check them out. Let them know you heard about them from us. Yeah. And then uh, are we ready to announce our next show? Do we know what it is? We have a workflow show. We have two guests, and it's not clear exactly which one is going to be in first. So Yeah, we'll see which one gets to the finish line first. Okay. They're both and, uh, great. Don't forget, show 100 is ticking away. Yeah. We're getting there. Show right. 100 in the subject line, please. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>